Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture, seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Really glad to have an opportunity to uh, to talk today. This is going to be a little bit of a different teaching. Uh, we're actually looking to have sort of a, a dual teaching where we want to recap baptism, uh, and we're doing that with our KM team here. Um, so it's myself and Ben and Megan Kitchy, Aaron Class, Joel and Bowen, and Dennis Bryce, um, and we're excited to to talk a little bit about baptism and then also to wrap up John. Um, and so. What we sometimes when we finish a book, we we sort of stop or we 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 fail to stop um, to actually look back and see where God has been challenging us and meeting us, and so we're excited to to look at both of these different things here uh, in our teaching for this Sunday, and and we're hoping that as as we gather as house churches that we have an opportunity to reflect on what God has been up to in our community through baptism, and even what God has been up to as we've been we've been have as we've read through an entire book uh, an entire gospel, the gospel of John. And so with that, um, yeah, I just want to get us started off with a question, everyone. So what, what struck you most from our baptism gathering this past, this past week? Um, I just felt like it was, um, kind of like seeing old friends again, like when you haven't seen like maybe an old college friend or something, or someone you were really close with for a long, long time. And you just pick up, um, like where you, where you were, where you left off. Uh, it felt like that to me. Um, and it just, I don't know the word that keeps coming to my mind too, is just transformation. Like before everyone who was baptized telling their stories and, um, before they, they were like old and then came up new, um, and just the transformation and the difference between their story and what Jesus has done for them and how he's transformed them. Yeah. Aaron, I think you're right on there. There for many of us, I mean, that was the first time I've seen certain people. There's so many different emotions and to, to wrap that into transformation is just, <laughs> it, it was transformational on multiple levels. Um, yeah, I, I think for me too, like similarly, just seeing people and having some of the opportunities just to, just to be together for the first time, c- connecting with old friends. I was really struck by the amount of tears that were present um, by the waters of baptism. In fact, I'm pretty sure the water level on that river raised from the tears, uh, from those who were gathered with us, which I just thought was a beautiful thing. Yeah. What are some other reflections from baptism this past week? What did you see? What did you notice? I think that Kelly and I had, had thought a lot about what it would be like to see everyone again in person for the first time. Um, and I know that early on in the pandemic, when we thought that, we were going to be apart for only a, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Uh, we kind of thought that the first time back would be a very, um, you know, joyous occasion. Everyone would be rushing to, to hug one another. And, um, and then as the pandemic kind of wore on, um, you know, we, we started to kind of realize, well, maybe, maybe this is going to be a lot more uncomfortable. Um, you know, everyone's going to kind of be in di- these different places. Um, everyone's going to have different levels of anxiety. And, you know, so like we were for a little while kind of worried about, you know, what, what is this going to be like to be with everyone again? And, um, and I think that 
we were kind of surprised, kind of like what Aaron was saying earlier. It, it felt like being, you know, being able to just pick up where we left off with old friends. I, I kind of describe it as like coming in, I maybe felt like I was holding my breath. And once we were around everyone again, it, it just kind of felt like a, like a nice, like just deep exhale. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I just had this sense that like, you know, being together like this is good. And, um, yeah. 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 I think there are just so many emotions present, right? Like having that, that opportunity to see each other and to see each other in, in, uh, which I would say is one of the defining moments of the, the year of every year within renew is baptism, right? That is like what sets, uh, it, it encourages our faith. It builds our faith. Like tears are present. Laughter's present. Joy's present. Um, you know, reflection is present. We remember to, there's so many different things that are present in that moment. And yeah, like to have that being the first time that, that we were back together as a worshiping congregation in a physical way, there's like a lot there, but I love that image of just an exhale, right? Like all the different emotions that are there and, and the one that, that really sticks out. I, I agree. I felt like there was a big exhale there too. Yeah. Ben, Megan, Dennis, any other reflections on baptism? I love hearing the stories of redemption in people's lives. That never gets old for me. It's just so beautiful to see um, how people are pursued by Jesus so intently and um, what, how differently that looks for each person. And it's just always really encouraging to me. And yeah, I think I cried my eyes out for the whole service basically. Yeah. I think those, those stories were, were powerful. And I, I was just, I was noticing, yeah, the ways in which, um, God had been pursuing each, each of those people had been with each of those people throughout their life. And for some of them, um, there were some, some awareness, um, that really became alive as they've entered more into faith, uh, more recently. Um, but for some, it was very evident throughout their lives. Uh, it just, yeah, the story of a God who pursues us, the story of a God who comes to us, um, and is always at work in our lives, uh, and, and wants to wake us up to that reality. Uh, I was also just, I think for me, the, the one pervading thought I had, um, was just like this, this baptism was such tangible evidence that God didn't take a break during the pandemic, uh, that God has been at work uh, in in people's lives. And, and I think especially of Ralph and Vanessa, who started coming to the house church right before pandemic hit, and the Gerhards have been discipling them and, and they've been growing in faith um, throughout the season. And even, um, I believe it was JR who was telling me, he overheard Ralph mentioning to somebody like, I've just met most of these people and yet I feel like they're my family. Mm. Uh, it was just, yeah, powerful, powerful morning for sure. Yeah. And, and Dennis, you and Claudia had a chance to, to join in via Zoom or via our Facebook live uh, pay, um, post page. I don't even know what you call that. We Facebook live something. That's a big deal for Renew. Uh, and so, yeah, what was it like even just being uh, from, from the comfort of your own home, but joining in with the baptism service? Well, I was recovering from surgery. <laughs> so if you can imagine being half asleep and blotto, uh, to an extent, that was me, but all of a sudden to see these people and 
I thought, well, this is alive. This is real, uh, even though it was a video clip. Mm. And what I sensed was, you know how in Paul's letters, he often finishes at the end saying, Owen, oh, give my greetings to so-and-so who has church in her house and Fred who does this and Sam who does that. Uh, there's all these people that he refers to as real people who were doing things. And that's what I felt about uh, the baptism. It was real people who existed in real time and space sharing who they were. And in some ways, it just made the, the letters of Paul come alive when I realized he had the same emotions and feelings towards the people that, Ben, you just mentioned this is part of my family. And that was very uh, encouraging, even though I wasn't quite fully there. Yeah, well, again, what I'm, what I'm excited about is the conversations that are going to happen in our house churches uh, this week around what, what you all experienced and what happened. And so we hope this has kind of been an opportunity to sort of grease the skids and so we can begin to think in that direction. But I just want to leave, leave you all with this as we kind of wrap up the baptism conversation. Um, and that's that what I appreciate the most about our baptism, and especially the one, is the words of affirmation that were spoken over each person. Um, being a community that has said, we, we long to be empathetic and prophetic. It just felt like Sunday was uh, this uh, um, flexing of our prophetic muscles of speaking into Miles and Micah and Ralph and Vanessa and Denise and how in those moments that that just forms such a deep identity in what it means to be followers of Jesus. Um, it almost to me felt like as, as each person came up out of the water celebrating and people cheering and clapping and making noise and just going bananas. It just felt like this is, this is who we are. Like we are this beautiful community of Jesus followers who we get to celebrate when lives fall into obedience with Jesus. And so, yeah, we're just so excited for another baptism coming up uh, here at the end of September. And we just want to say, if, if you're thinking through like, man, should I get baptized this year? Or uh, we just want to say, you know, talk to myself or Ben or one of the elders. We'd, we'd love to chat with you. We already have one ready to go and we're hoping that someone else can join them. Yeah. From that, uh, we'd love to transition just into a, a time of reflecting on John. It's It's been really rich to uh, spend the bulk of 2020 up to this point in, in the Gospel of John. Uh, and we we got through all of the chapters, but it is important for us to, to take some time and reflect back um, over what, what's stood out to us in John, um, what things we're uh, still reflecting on or yeah, the ways in which we're seeing that story maybe come to life uh, in our own lives. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll open it up and maybe we can um, start with uh, Megan. Like what what has shaped you the most in John and what story has stuck out with you the most and, and why? Sure. Well, I think um, what shapes me the most is just watching Jesus over and over again, just so intimately meet people right where they are. He encounters people with so many different spiritual and emotional needs and everyone's at such a different place. And he is able to just cut right to the heart of what their needs are. Even if they, um, even if they don't necessarily know it, he 
he sees that and um, he is so intentional and um, I love how scandalous he is um, in breaking down barriers to do that and um, he's a rebel and he pushes the limits and um, and builds bridges at the same time and um, that really speaks to me a lot and I think for me where that stands out the most is the story of the woman at the well um, which I just am emotional every time I read that story um, he sought her out um, he sought out a Samaritan woman and there's just so much right there in that sentence that yeah deserves processing just she was a woman she was a Samaritan he went out of his way geographically to get to her and find her um yeah I love that story yeah I think that's something that has really stood out to me and even thinking through the the resurrection appearances and just the ways in which Jesus meets people on such a personal level I, I love the the divine, the beautiful, miraculous resurrection that's apparent in those stories. And yet there's also this very human side that invites us all into uh, finding ourselves in, in these stories, uh, meeting with Jesus. Um, yeah, Aaron, I, I feel like you, you kind of had a similar uh, reflection. Can you share with us what, what's been sticking with you from John? Yeah. So I think the things that have been sticking out to me are the small details. I think I had always, you know, I've read John before and, um, but for some reason this time, like all the tiny little things that had never stood out to me before stood out to me. And it was just really like noticing how, um, how Jesus cares about little details, like little things that, um, which is maybe why I didn't see them before because <laughs> maybe there are things that don't stick out to other people or, but he like, it's like he sees people's hearts and um, is able to like um, just kind of like attend to those details. So uh, there was one verse um, in John 19 when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's literally hanging on the cross, like taking all of our sin um, you know, the weight of the world is on him. And he, it says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. So it's like, he's, he is doing huge things. <laughs> and, but he takes the time to just say like, John, I'm taking care of you. Mom, I'm taking care of you, you know, and gives them like each other to, um, to, to, be able to comfort each other and to have that like mother son relationship because he's no longer going to be there for, I, well, I guess in a different way, he'll be there for both of them, but just not physically present with them. And, um, and even when the disciples are out fishing and they, they come back and Jesus is cooking them breakfast, like you think like Jesus has got bigger things to do, <laughs> but, um, but he takes, he's, but he just cares about like, I mean, he, they're, they maybe are hungry because they have just gone fishing. So it's just those tiny little details that, that really stood out to me. And Jesus is not too busy. He's not too preoccupied. Um, it's just really impressed on me reading through this time, like how he really just cares about those tiny little things. 
Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Um, yeah, thinking about how we've, we've kind of talked about John as like a, a kaleidoscope picture of Jesus and like even in those those intimate details and how, yeah, just thinking about how John presents Jesus as this cosmic Christ because he is and he's he's divine and he's God and yet also deeply personal and, and concerned about, um, cares about these little things too. Um, it's really powerful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Joel. Uh, yeah, what's what's been sticking out to you from John? So I think the the thing that's uh, really kind of stuck with me uh, throughout the whole time in John is uh, chapter six. Um, at the beginning of the chapter is the feeding of the five thousand, and um, when I was reading it, uh, preparing for house church, I I first um, twelve stuck out to me where. Um, you know, he, he feeds the 5,000, then he sends out the disciples and he says to collect up the broken pieces so that nothing might be wasted. And um, that just got me thinking about how, um, you know, this, this compares to like Moses in the desert with the manna, right? And uh, in Exodus, you know, there's, there's just enough, um, you know, God provides just enough for each day. And that's a, that's a really important lesson that, you know, God, God will meet our needs. Uh, but it just struck me that when Jesus is here feeding the 5,000, there isn't just enough. Uh, there's an abundance and there's, there's 12 baskets that get, that get collected. And um, yeah, I, I just was really, um, yeah, struck by the, the abundance of Christ. When, when God shows up uh, in Jesus, there's, there's an abundance. And then as I kept reading the chapter, I got to uh, verse 39 and it, it says that um, Jesus is talking about the will of his father. And he said that uh, the will of my father is that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. And um, just that, that phrase, lose nothing um, that, that kind of, it just echoed back to verse 12 for me um, that Jesus is not willing to waste even broken pieces. Um, And I was just thinking about, especially as we've been reading this in, um, in this time of the pandemic and of um, a, a time where every, so many things feel broken right now. Um, it was just really encouraging to me to, to think that Jesus is, um, sees our broken pieces and is willing to collect them all and is not willing to waste anything. And, um, and you know, when we feel broken, he's, he's not willing to waste that, the, those broken pieces. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about how when, when Jesus gathers these broken pieces that, that there's an abundance, um, that he turns them into an abundance and that he turns them into an abundance that can bless the world. Uh, thanks for sharing, Joel. Yeah, I feel like that, like, just thinking back to the redemption stories that we heard in baptism, like of how God has, has taken those broken pieces and, and been at work in, in redeeming and, and not wasting any of those. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Dennis, I know, I feel like every time I've chatted with you about uh, the gospel of John, you, you quickly bring me back to the story of Lazarus. Uh, and so I know that's been something you've been reflecting on. Uh, could you share a little bit with us? Yeah, well, I think both Megan and Erin have mentioned something and Joel too is how Jesus is very intentional. 
he's a real pain in the neck. <laughs> he says, we have to go out of our way geographically to meet this woman, although he doesn't say that. Or he says, we're going to feed these people. And how are we going to feed them? Well, you feed them. Um, and so there's this whole thing around Lazarus, you know, we should be going to Lazarus. Why didn't you come sooner? What on earth are you playing at? Uh, so it's interesting, the intricacies that John pulls out in the stories. And I guess since we stopped, I feel that during the preaching times, I was right up close into each different chapter, into each different stories, looking at the details. And since we stopped, I've been moving back. And I think I said it's a bit like a, when you go to an art gallery and you're up close to a painting and you can see the the guy, where the guy put his fingers to mush around the paint or his brush strokes, and then you move backwards gradually, and then the whole thing you get, wow, I'm getting a I'm putting together all these stories into this big picture. And what struck me, because I've been, done this at art galleries before, you move backwards and you're looking at the painting, but then all of a sudden you're aware of the other people round about you. They're all looking at it too. And, you know, they're all strange people, you know, a, a girl or a little kid or an old grandma on with a stick, uh, or people like me with a stick. <laughs> and they're all looking at it, and it's like, oh, yeah, for God so loved the world, which is what people think of as John's gospel. But I just... I've really appreciated stepping back and seeing this amazing story. And Lazarus's story of his resurrection is interesting in that it's like this pre-echo of Jesus' resurrection that is to come. And he mentions all these different people by name. You know, Thomas, I thought Thomas was just in the last chapter, but Thomas is putting his foot in his mouth as big as Peter. And it's just exciting to see all these different names pop out and how it's very personal and relational and it's stories. You mentioned something that was uh, sticking out to you just in terms of Martha and Mary and, and something you, you hadn't really thought about uh, before, but how John kind of changed your perception of that. Could you, could you share that with us? Well, I think I grew up with the concept that Mary was very loving towards Jesus and concerned, whereas Martha was always in the kitchen doing all the work, complaining, why don't you come and help me? And in the Lazarus story, it's totally tipped around the other way, that it's Martha who goes out to see Jesus first. And it's Martha who then Jesus talks to about the meaning of resurrection, and it's almost like a light bulb begins to go on in her head. She says, I think I sort of understand it. And then Jesus gives her a bit more. And then two chapters later, we're right in the story of the resurrection. So it's interesting how, you know, I've been flipped because Martha has got a deep love for Jesus, but it's just in a very different way expressed than how Mary who has a similar love and a genuine love, but she expresses it in a different way. So that, is, you know, those vignettes of different people doing different things is so brilliant and helpful. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Uh, Doug, any, any reflections that you want to share with us? 
from John. Yeah. First of all, all these are great. I'm frantically taking notes. Um, but I think for me, I'm just really, I've noticed myself taken aback by the presence of Jesus's humanity and divinity. And especially similar to Dennis in the Lazarus story, he's weeping and then, and then he, he calls Lazarus out and he comes forth. Um, even thinking back to the very beginning of John, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was, was, you know, the word was with God and the word was God. Um, and, you know, later on, and, and he moved into the neighborhood and he made his dwelling place among men. Um, and then we read all these stories of Jesus, like getting thirsty and hungry and, and meeting people's like basic needs of food and water, but also saving them and, and bringing them into brand new life and healing them. And so I think I've just really been struck with the, the difficulty it has been for me to see the humanity of Jesus. And John just brings that out in such a powerful way. But he also like runs these two rails of bringing out his humanity and his divinity and how there's just this, like they run right next to one another or so deeply entwined with one another that by the time we get to the end and my, my favorite story in John is the story of uh, Mary coming to the tomb. And I, I love the way it plays out when he says Mary and she like, I just picture her like flipping out like Rabboni, like just losing her stuff in that moment. And uh, I can picture myself in those dark, sad, hard places, especially in the last six months of like hearing Jesus call my name and, and just changing something deep within my heart to be reminded that he is, he is real. Like he is here. He is alive. Um, so that for me has been just jumping off the page. I love that. I love that because you know I just talked about Lazarus and how it's Martha having this light bulb realization at Lazarus' resurrection time, and then you bring out Jesus and Rabboni and Mary having her light bulb almost explode in her life, and so it's like the two stories like resonate or vibrate with each other to encourage us to just realize exactly what you said yeah thanks everybody for sharing i, I feel like the gospel of john is is just so rich um all of the gospels are rich i have definitely gained a deeper appreciation for john and the stories he tells and how he tells them and and just the the rich um abundant picture of jesus that he provides i feel like yeah we could we could probably keep talking about this gospel for for days. Um, and, and we hope that in house churches this Sunday that you all have an opportunity to, to share these stories and uh, be encouraged to remember to continue to reflect on them and, and how uh, Jesus can continue to, to meet us and transform us uh, through, through this beautiful gospel uh, picture. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.